0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 281. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about the paradoxes of great leadership with my friend, Dr. Tim. Elmore. Dr. Tim Elmore is the founder and CEO of Growing Leaders. His work grew out of 20 years of serving alongside Dr. John Maxwell. And Tim Elmore has appeared in The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, USA Today, Psychology Today. He has been featured on CNN, Headline News, Fox and Friends. Tim has written over 35 books, including Habitudes, Images that Form Leadership Habits and Attitudes, he has been a guest on my program before, as well as some of uh, some work with his co-author Andrew McPeak. But Tim Elmore, welcome back to Principal Matters Podcast. You were a guest on episode 134. That was November 2018. Uh, oh, do you boy. think
1: do you think things have changed a lot <laughs> Maybe since we just talked? a little bit? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. And I don't know that anybody could have predicted the next three to four years in 2018, what would happen. So we're in a zany time, aren't we? We are. Well,
0: Tim, why don't you fill in the gaps on that intro? Let people know where you are and what work you've been doing. What's going on with Growing Leaders right now? Before we jump into your book.
1: Well, first of all, Will, you know how much I admire you. Thank you for the conversation. I'm honored to be with you anytime I am. So thanks. Um, Yeah, we uh, Growing Leaders, as you mentioned, is a nonprofit that partners with schools and school districts. Uh, But companies, um, athletic teams, wherever young people are and there's someone leading a young person, we try to help put tools in their toolbox to do it better, to connect with Generation Z and the alpha generation coming up behind them. And then, uh, yeah, just leading better. And that's what this latest book is about. How do we lead in these tumultuous times and still maintain a sense of not just maintenance but we're thriving we're moving forward we're getting better not just treading water so that's the goal of this book
0: that's fantastic well you know this the podcast listeners can hear our conversation and but I get to see you because we just videoed in. And so for those of you listening, you don't get to see the fact that when Tim and I logged in, we're both wearing blue shirts with with blue sweater vests. It's freezing cold in Oklahoma today. I don't know what the weather is like in Atlanta, but but Tim, it, it makes me laugh because I have a my third my third daughter's in college, and she told me a couple of days ago that she was trying to describe me to one of her friends and she was like, um, he's a dad who wears sweater vests. And I, and I just <laughs> And so I thought, well, I guess that's a great way to describe you. So thanks, uh, Tim. I'm just so glad that you and I both have on our sweater vest. Yeah.
1: Today. <laughs> well, I got to share something funny with you real Go ahead. quick. I'll be quick. Um, <laughs> I was talking to a friend recently d- just about being dads and so forth. And in the course of our jovial conversation, he grabbed his phone and asked Siri, Siri, is Tim Elmore cool? And Siri came back. Tim Elmore gave up being cool in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you the, know. Reason, the reason Siri said that is because I'd written an article way back, you know, the year 2000 about how, as I parented my children, they didn't need a pal. They needed a parent. I wasn't trying to be cool, but hilariously, the cyberspace world out there has picked up Tim Elmore is not trying to be cool anymore. So there you have it. I've got my sweater vest on. I'm proud to be a grown adult.
0: Yeah. Tim, that is so funny. I'm going to change the title of this podcast episode to how to not be cool with Dr. (laughs) Tim Elmore. But in all seriousness, what we want to talk about today is your recent book. You've just come out with another book. Congratulations. I, I have lost count, Tim, on how many books you've written by this point in your long career of being an author and a writer. But thank you for so consistently sharing content. This book is called The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership, Embracing the Conflicting Demands of Today's Workplace. And boy, when you reached out and told me you had this new book, I could not wait for an opportunity to share some of your ideas with listeners because you and I both know Principal yeah. Managed listeners are often Aspiring leaders, assistant principals, principals, district leaders, education leadership is constantly filled with these paradoxes and these conflicts, especially yeah, in the time yeah. that we live in now. So, what drove you to write this newest book?
1: Well, um the genesis of it was really years ago, just like most thoughts that are fairly decent. You they marinate over years, kind of like good spaghetti sauce. So this one actually uh, germinated in a green room backstage at a conference i happened to be sitting there with 16 ceos some were educators some were just business leaders but i asked the question i turned it into a focus group girl well this is what i do this is what i do but my question was do you think that leading people today is harder than it was than when you first learned to lead thinking i would get a mixture of answers but every single leader in the room said absolutely harder today and when I pushed back and said, well, that's kind of weird. Wouldn't you think it would have been harder way back in the day when you didn't know much about leadership? Everybody still stuck to their guns. They said, nope, harder today. And that sent me on a search. And so, and by the way, this is pre-pandemic. So this was 2018, 2019, something like that. Um, I began to just dig around and talk to school superintendents who, by the way, you know this, will say, it doesn't matter what decision I make right now, I'll make enemies, I will make enemies mass no max vaccine do no, you know this that and the other and uh, and we're and i think parents sometimes forget we're humans you know that, that actually feel and hurt and we get things wrong and we get things right and we really want the best for this this set of students that are trying to make their way through school so um the book it's really I, I, the best way to describe it well is it's an advanced version of social emotional learning for grown-ups mm-hmm. for leaders We need some social-emotional skills that aren't just self-regulation and empathy, although those are important for us. It's really about paradoxical qualities that great leaders seem to juggle, even though they don't seem like they could go together, but you have to put them together. It's not a luxury. It's an essential in today's world that is polarized and and anxious, and uh, sometimes people are not rational when they're anxious. No names, please. But um, that's that's where it's coming from. So I think years and years and years in the making where you kind of put ideas in the back of your mind and then you start writing them down and you start realizing, I think I need this. And if I need it, maybe my readers will too.
0: Yeah. Well, Tim, I've always appreciated that that ability by you to address the complexities. Uh, and that's something I've appreciated about your work, your, your content, the trainings I've sat through with you is you're not afraid to point out the distinctions you know it's easy sometimes to say just do this when it comes yeah, to yeah. an action or leadership but actually i've often said in in situations with you where you'll explain that just do this but this also means you need to do this at the same time there's yeah. there's almost always two sides to mm. to the leadership coin so you know you started your career in leadership More than 40 years ago. Congratulations on still being (laughs) such a relevant leader now. Uh, But I know that meant you were only 11 years old when you started. But yes, that's right. Exactly. So, what do you you think it is about today that makes these paradoxes Mm -hmm. so relevant?
1: Oh, gosh, that probably deserves an hour. And I'm going to give you just a few minutes because your listeners will not want to stay with us for the exhaustive answer. Uh, If we stop and think for just a moment in any industry, including education, Uh, We hire people with higher levels of education than ever before. Gen Z, for instance, and millennials have more formal education than our parents and grandparents. So education, and doesn't that make us a little bit at least armchair quarterbacks that feel like we got a better idea than the guy in charge or the gal in charge. Uh, They bring higher levels of exposure with them. And what I mean by that is everybody comes with a smartphone that's been exposed to all the dirt on everyone, including you and me. And that doesn't feel very good, you know, but again, armchair quarterback, higher levels of emotion, Will. Um, When I began my career, I think the mantra of most workplaces was leave your personal problems at the door. You're coming here to get your work done. Well, today, have you not heard this? It's bring your whole selves to work. And, And that's good, but that means baggage and emotions and ups and downs and, you know, I, I had a, a, a school leader say to me not very long ago, I need to be a therapist, a motivational speaker, a coach, a supervisor. Yeah, all the above. Um, they bring higher levels, dare I say, of entitlement. And I, I'm not, I think people are great. I love people, but people bring levels of entitlement. We deserve benefits and perks that 10 or 15 years ago, we would not have demanded those. Uh, and by the way, the great resignation, which is going on today in America, is partly due to the fact that people go, I think I can do some better somewhere else. Um, and then uh, finally, I think they just bring more higher expectations. I think we expect more of leaders. And leaders, if you're listening right now, you feel this. People expect more of you. You cannot do something wrong, or at least it feels that way. So with great empathy, I penned these paradoxes thinking, If we could do these and read our people before we lead our people, that's exactly what the doctor ordered, I think. And maybe, maybe we get through the day winning rather than surviving.
0: Well, Tim, thank you for that. And, and such Tim Elmore eloquence. I'm (laughs) going to stay. I love, I love the fact that you were able to unpack those in ways that um, are easy to remember, you know, the higher levels of exposure, emotion, entitlement expectations, because um, you're right, this is the re- the new reality that leadership, mm-hmm. and, and, and in some ways it's an old reality, but it's a different yeah, kind. Yeah. You're right. There, there are differences now in the kinds of leadership expectations that we have presently. And and right now it seems like we're living in this either or world where parents and educators and administrators feel like they're caught in the middle of a culture war on masks or vaccines or politics. So how do you address this in in this book about paradoxes?
1: Mm -hmm. Great question. Well, I mentioned that phrase in passing just a minute ago, we've got to read them before we lead them. Um, I know that sounds very pithy and cliche, but I really do believe that's what I have tried to do over the last couple of years, and it's again, it's not been a luxury; it's been a necessity. Um, even at Growing Leaders, our people have been scared and anxious. Uh, we're um, we're talking about collaborating more with the John Maxwell folks, uh, people I work with for years and years and years, and that means they're asking, "Do is my job in jeopardy? You know, am I am I going to lose it? Uh, uh, will the pay go down, up, around? What will happen?" So um, most of these paradoxes will truly are social and or emotional skill sets that require us to to feel as well as think. So for instance, uh, I'm not a neuroscientist, neither one of us claim to be, but uh, we all know that the messages that get sent to our brain come from the spinal cord and they pass through the limbic system of our brain before they get to the frontal cortex. So we feel them before we think them. You follow what I'm saying? Don't we, don't we see this on social media? People are not reflecting as they send back a tweet. They're reacting when they send back a tweet, you know? You have parents in your district's listeners that do this. So we need to realize if if this were all just a logical thing, this leadership thing, we'd all be fine because we're logical people. But people are feeling and they're scared. And so um, you know this, Will, but in this book, I share a number of our habitudes that are images And one of the images is guard dogs and guide dogs. We tend to be left to ourselves guard dogs who are protective, who are holding the cards close to our chest, sniffing out trouble around the corner. I think the need of the hour is for us to be guide dogs, uh, which means our job is not first and foremost to protect our property, but to partner with others. Isn't that true? Guide dogs Mm -hmm. partner. They have someone that can't see really well And they're guiding them into new territory, going first, being vulnerable. And all I'm saying is, oh, my gosh, if leaders would do this, if principals, APs, superintendents would say, I'm going to be a guide dog and go first. And I may even say, hey, folks, I'm a little scared right now. (laughs) I bet you are, too. And then take the journey together. Now we're human again. So it's much more than that, but that would be what I would say back. I think that's what we must do. And that's why these paradoxes are just going to be essential that we get them.
0: That's so good, Tim. Let me let me push back for just a moment. I'm okay. that leader yes. that's listening to you. And I'm like, you know, I am just I'm just frustrated because I feel like, you know, I how can I be all of these things? You know, if I'm supposed to yep. be a guide dog and a guard dog, sometimes I can see something that's just true or right. Yes. And yet at the same time, I'm asked to be, um, I'm asked to be reflective or sensitive yeah. Yeah. in these situations. And, and I, 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 I know you well enough to know that you're going to talk about the fact that you can't be either, or you must be, and, but. So let's, yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. Again, it's the whole idea of the, of the paradox. So why yeah. is the idea of the paradox such an interesting, such an important concept for leaders to embrace, because I think sometimes we're constantly pushing against the paradox yes, instead yeah. of figuring out how to embrace it.
1: That was well put. You're exactly right. We we, we need to go deeper and, and figure out why two things must coexist. Here's a good example. This is um, just an everyday example. Um, I remember during the big quarantine that we all went through in 2020, Um, there were far less cars on the streets of Atlanta, Georgia, where I live, but car accidents went up. That's a paradox right there. Fewer cars, wouldn't you think there'd be fewer accidents? But here's the the reason. Because there were fewer cars on the road, people drove more recklessly and carelessly, (laughs) and they were wrecking more often. See, once you dig deeper, you go, of course, that's what we have to do. So let me give you one example. The very first paradox in the book is I believe uncommon leaders are both confident and humble. During this pandemic, don't you think parents and teachers and principals need to look to a superintendent and say, she or he is confident and humble. Here's why they're both necessary. People are not gonna follow a leader anywhere unless there's a sense of confidence. You gotta believe that the person in charge thinks they're gonna get to the goal. But at the same time, if we're only confident, like a borderline cocky or an arrogant. They're going, you're not that good, buddy. <laughs> what are you smoking right now? You know? Uh-huh. So there needs to be a sense of, oh my gosh, I need you all. We need each other right now. Let's, I think we can do this, but we're going to need each other. See how that's confident and humble. So mm-hmm. here's the assignment. I give assignments on everyone, by the way, on every chapter, Will, you'll love this. I think I give a case study. So here's a person that's done it. And I give assignments. So my assignment I've given to myself on this one is this. When I'm in a meeting, I need to speak as if I believe I'm right. But I need to listen as if I believe I'm wrong.
0: Mm.
1: And Will, when I've done this, it has been so winsome because my team's going, seriously, you're listening to me? I'm an intern, you know, right now. I'm I'm a 26-year-old or whatever. So speak as if you believe you're right. Listen as if you believe you're wrong. I believe that's my chief assignment on the confident and humility. Um, By Hmm. the way, my illustration on that one was not necessarily an educator. It was Bob Iger, the recently retired CEO of Disney. Hmm. Well, think about Bob Iger's story. Bob was asked to become the CEO of Disney when he had never led anything like that. He'd been a part of the ABC family, but he'd never led Disney. So get this. Well, you'll love this because I know you're confident and humble. He went in asking questions of the people he led. He's saying, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> he's their leader. So they download it to him. And yet he had to turn around the next moment and say, here's where we need to go. Can you imagine how challenging that had to be? But there was humility, then confidence. But he won them over and he led them well. And they ended up purchasing Pixar and, and, and Lucasfilms. And it was just crazy cool. Bob is a case, he's not perfect, but he's a case study on how to do this confident humility thing. So
0: I just uh, that's so good, and Tim, you know I love stories, and so you're just reminding me of one I'm going to tell quickly too, because okay, you and I sure. both both admired the work of Colin Powell, who's who's yes. who has um, passed away last year, but his leadership lessons mm. have always resonated with me. And he told a story when he was Secretary of State that um, he would often escape his office and wander into the the office other offices, and sometimes. Yeah the places within that building that nobody else would go. And so one day he was in the parking garage of that building and he was just listening into the conversations of the guys that parked their cars. And so he asked them, he, he could tell that it took an amazing amount of work to put all these cars back to back, to back to back because yeah. it was a condensed area for hundreds of people that worked in that building. And he said to them, guys, I'm just curious, what are your strategies for getting yeah. these cars in? Of And who because it's obviously you, you probably, whoever's in last is the one who gets to go out first. And I've yes. noticed it's not always the order in which they arrive. And they smiled at each other and they looked at him and said, you want to know what our strategy is? The people who drive in and treat us with respect and courtesy, we always make sure we park them where they can leave first.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: And Colin oh. Powell smiled that first of all, he was intrigued by their honesty with him. But the, <laughs> next, but the next time he had a staff meeting, you know what he told his, his executive staff? Hey, your courtesy matters, and yeah. let me give you an example of yep. where even how polite you are to the people within our building mm-hmm. will, will affect um, the ways that you get to access um, this this part of the building. And I, I don't know exactly how he carried all that yeah. out in, yeah. in 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 application, but I, well, you know, I don't know if you could think of a better example of someone who who exercised both confidence and humility um, in his leadership than, than Colin Powell, even someone who on the world yes. stage. Yeah. Uh, and, and in his books was able to say, looking back at, you know, these are the things I did right. And these are the things I did wrong and being willing to just say it like it is. So yeah. I, I love that, Tim. And, and you and I both know that in it for education leaders, um, these, you know, th- this is especially difficult, especially in the in the work that they do. So I wanted to ask you the question, how can education leaders use the principles in this book mm-hmm. when they're mentoring or when they're training next levels of leadership, because yes. a lot yeah. of education leaders are trying to duplicate the leadership that's happening in their buildings.
1: Yeah. A couple of the paradoxes come to mind. So in light of that specific question, Will, I would say that one of the paradoxes that's relevant is uncommon leaders are both visible and invisible. Now that seems like an either or equation, but but you and I both know that's not true. So, the visibility thing is when you first begin to train anyone, or really for that matter, lead anyone, they have to see a model, not just hear a lecture. They need to see a model. Show me the way. Don't just tell me the way. So, the visibility thing is I'm going to be public. I'm going to pick up trash in the parking lot. I'm going to model every single thing I want my people to do, these people to do. Mm -hmm. Along the way, you and I both know in the training process, there are times i'm going to need to be invisible though if i'm in that room no one else is going to step up nobody's going to do it because oh dr elmore will do you know dr parker will do you know that sort of thing so my illustration on this one was a form of educator it was dr martin luther king will it was so fascinating in the first half of his career in the late 50s early 60s you know that dr king was pretty much asked to lead the civil rights movement positionally he Led that He led the marches, he led the protests, the sit-ins, the boycotts, and he made the speeches, you know, said, we're going to do this. Topped off with August 1963, I have a dream. Following that speech, you begin to notice in his leadership, he purposely stops going to certain meetings and gatherings. In fact, a young John Lewis would call him up and say, Dr. King, we we need you here. here. And he would go, John, you know what to do you know what to say. You, you're there. And you know, John Lewis would not speak up as a 20-something back then if Dr. King was in the room. I thought how brilliant that was to say, I could be there and kind of coach him, but what will really get him to step up is if I'm not in there. Now, you don't just not show up, uh, listeners. You 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 prepare them. But um, And of course, that chapter is all about how do we coach them up? How do we get them ready? And how do we know they're sending signals? They don't need me in the room. I'm there because my ego puts me there. And by the way, I talk about that one too. Anyway, I'll I'll stop waxing eloquent, but that would be one that's especially helpful. Oh, by the way, I know I'm talking long here. Let me give one more paradox that I think speaks to the training of other leaders. One of the most fun paradoxes in this book is uncommon leaders leverage both their vision and their blind spots. Mm-hmm. And those seem like you cannot have both. But Will, you would have, you'd be the first to agree because you're a humble man. We all have blind spots, don't we? Every one of us have a part of our work because of our personality and our angle we don't see. But in that particular paradox, I talk about the fact that Even though all of us have blind spots, great leaders leverage their blind spots. So first of all, we all need vision. We all have to have a vision. Principals listening, you got to have a vision for your school this year, especially this year. Okay. Maybe it's the comeback school. Maybe that's it, you know, but I, I actually believe great leaders would say, I had some blind spots that we actually look back and go, thank God we had those blind spots. Had we known then what we know now, we might not have ever tried that new initiative or that new endeavor. Haven't you heard leaders say that? If I'd known that, what I know, I would have never tried that. So I talk in this chapter about how to maintain rookie smarts well into your career, where you go, I'm purposely going to try something in a brand new way that nobody else has done to my knowledge. And it may be the very thing that gets us to our goal. So let me tell you a quick story. My my illustration on this one is a leader, a female leader, not an educator, but clearly can be applicable to the world of education. Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, this shapewear thing that millions of women across the world have said, thank God for Spanx. So she creates this shapewear, which is a kind of combination of pantyhose and girdle, finds a manufacturer, but then will she doesn't have a distrib- distributor for it, for the new product. No, who's, who's gonna know about this? So she places a call to Neiman Marcus, finds a female executive there who will give her a few minutes so she flies out to neiman marcus knows she just has a few minutes you're gonna love this story she starts talking about spanx this product and she realizes i'm not getting anywhere this person's heard 50 pitches today i'm not getting anywhere so sarah young sarah stands up and says would you follow me and the executive says beg your pardon she said, Would you follow me into the restroom? I want to show you something. So they walk into the restroom, the public restroom. And right through the restroom, she drives off the spanks. <laughs> sold, ladies and gentlemen. Sold. Well, the executive needed to see it. And so she she says, We're going to beta test this in 10 or 12 of our stores. Sarah calls up friends in all of those 10 or 12 cities, sends them money, and says, buy out all the spanks in your in your area. So they buy them up, the product takes off, and next thing she knows, Bloomingdale's and other department stores are picking them up. So here's the, here's the blind spot. Sometime later, Sarah is talking about her journey of creating Spanx, this new product. And in the Q and A time, one of the people in the audience raises her hand and says, Sarah, how did you in a trade show with thousands of other vendors and exhibitors get the attention of a store like Neiman Marcus? And of course, Sarah leans in and says, trade show? I didn't go to any trade show. She didn't know that protocol was you go to trade shows with a new product. It was a very blind spot she had. And she now says, don't let what you don't know. That's a double negative. That's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Don't let what you are ignorant of keep you. And so school leaders, I would just say to you, Don't worry about trying something brand new. Maybe it's what we need you to do to lead the way for the rest of us who are waiting to be safe to wait so someone else does it first and doesn't get in trouble and doesn't have legislation against them. Um, I think that's what school leaders need right now is let's try something new because Lord knows we're in brand new territory right now and we need something new.
0: Oh, Tim, and let's stay there for just a moment, too, because principal Matters listeners, uh, you know, not only does that apply to your leadership, but think about the people who you're leading and how often yeah. we have people within our own um, organizations or our schools who may have innovative ideas, they may have crazy ideas, they may have something new that they want to do. And sometimes all they need is to know that they have a leader in their building or, a, or who's... Um, so well, maybe it's the, the person who's managing them who gives them permission to try new things or to yeah. take risks yeah. or to, in other words, how do you create an an environment where the expectation is a yes instead of assuming a no? Yeah. And so yeah. you know how do you because Tim you know think back you can think back to in our younger years and even now in our more mature years. You and I are both risk takers, and yeah. we're, we both like to think outside the box. But I can think of times where I've stepped over a boundary, and I might have been pulled back. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I've had leaders who have let me step over boundaries, and then w- helped me learn from that. And others yeah. who have who have scolded me. And so, you know, sometimes you can really um, either open up opportunities for the people that you're leading, or you can squash momentum, yes. depending yeah. on how you respond to that too. So I think leveraging your vision and your blind spots is so important, but also just having an environment for others where they can do the same thing. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. because man, when you create that kind of environment for other people, then together, you're, the ability for you to do more just grows exponentially because you're doing it yes. with others, not just yeah. in your in your own mind. Well, Tim Elmore, it, I know we could continue this conversation for much longer, but let me just encourage listeners to reach out for a copy of your new book, The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership, Embracing the Conflicting Demands of Today's Workplace. This book, every single chapter is one of these paradoxes that Dr. Elmore unpacks with examples with great ideas that will stimulate the way that you think about leadership too. Tim, how can how can growing leaders um, help school leaders who want to teach these principles? Because I'd love for you to share not just about your book, but I, I want Principal Matters listeners to also know how Growing Leaders as an organization is such a great resource. And I and I know I'm asking you to do a self pitch, but really I want you to talk about this because I think that that Principal Matters listeners if they realized the treasure trove of resources and information and people and resources that were available with you, they would want to connect even more. So take a, take a minute and talk about that.
1: Thank you, Will. You're so kind. Well, the, the one stop to find us is growingleaders.com listeners. So growingleaders.com. We have a team of speakers. I'm just one of our team of speakers. Will, you said you're going to have Timothy Alexander soon there in Oklahoma. Uh, but we have resources, SEL curriculum, habitudes, the images that teach leadership habits and attitudes. And then of course the eight paradoxes book you can find there too, but it's also on Amazon, wherever you go for books. But Will, I love being with you. It's so invigorating to knock ideas around. We're going to have to do this when we're not on a clock when you and I could just talk together. That would be fun. I'd enjoy it.
0: I can't wait. Well, Tim Elmore, thank you so much for all that you do for leaders, all that you have done and all that you're continuing to do. Best wishes on the days ahead. And thank you for sharing this resource. Principal Matters listeners, I want to thank you for the time that you spent listening and learning this week, because what you do matters. And we'll talk to you next week. You can find other free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.